Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read and Weep, Season 4. We're three guys with perfect opinions about movies, TV, and culture. We got off to a mediocre start last week for our new season, and we are going to match that energy today. Yeah. Three hot new topics. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Falcone, in North Koreatown, Los Angeles, and I am joined by my co-hosts today. First up, he was so annoying before he was born that Mother Teresa told him to fuck off. He's at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter. In Southeast hey. Portland, Mr. Anthony Lopez. Excited to be here. Welcome to Earth. I'm glad you finally made it. Yeah, I mean, it's the best part about traveling from space is like, okay, so well, we'll get into it. We'll save I, it. <laughs> Good save. All right. And then uh, rounding out the panel, he is the, the spark that completes his soul and makes him human are Blu-ray box sets. He's at Hunbun on Letterboxd from the woods of Arkansas. Please welcome back Hunter Donaldson. Howdy, y'all. It's me. I'm here. Hey, what's up? Good to talk to you both. So this show is, as always, supported by our fabulous meat buddies who keep forgetting to cancel their Patreon memberships every <laughs> month. If you would like to join them and keep the show limping down the tracks, you can go to metreon.com. And we really appreciate everybody who supports our show, even if we don't understand them. All right. So as usual, season four, we're breaking the show down into three segments. First up, the news. It's been a pretty, pretty <laughs> <slow> news week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just not a lot going on in the mm. news this week. So we had to dig hard, dig down, dig deep, uh, search hard to find something to talk about. But we finally got down to bedrock and we found just a tiny bit of pay dirt. This story from The Guardian. Denmark launches children's TV show about a man with a giant penis. Yeah. The, article, the article reads, The Danish equivalent of the BBC, DR, has a new animated series aimed at four to eight-year-olds about John Dillermand, the man <laughs> with the world's largest penis who overcomes hardships and challenges with his record-breaking genitals. That's right. John Dillermand, which I've seen translated as pee-pee man or uh, similar. So apparently this is a a Danish joke in his name. John Dillerman, you may have seen this. It popped up, uh, moved around a little bit. Was It's stop motion. And mm-hmm. uh, critics are divided as to whether um, this is giving us uh, uh, a fun rump or is nonstop uh, sexual assault. We will find out. I feel out. like they didn't watch it. I just want to say that from the, from the onset. That's my vibe. I mean, there were definitely a lot of the reviews on both sides that came out before the show was available. So, and of the people who did review it, I would say very few of them probably speak Danish, which is a big factor for me. Um, fair. There are 14 episodes, each five minutes long, of the stop motion show featuring a man with a 10 foot long prehensile dong. Um, he has a rounded mustache and the red and white striped bathing costume of a classic strongman. And despite having a miraculously long and useful dick, he is not particularly careful about it. That's one thing. It kind of has its own personality, okay? Like it does, but he is not. It's like a cat's. It's like a cat's tail, you know. It kind of does its own thing. You're not really sure what is. I mean, did we ever consider that maybe the dick is what's controlling John, and rather than the other way around? Well, in that case, I'm going to say that his Diller is not particularly cautious with his body either, because they get in some scrapes. Even with itself, it's not very cautious. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, in the intro, it is millimeters away from getting decapitated by gardening shears. So it's it's got to be more careful. I I mean, when when you're that long, you know, you got room to spare. 
Like I, you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 have, I have heard people suggest that they had dick to spare before, but he definitely has. At one point it goes, he's standing in front of a building. It goes in the main door of the building, out the second floor window on one side, back in the third floor, and then out the other side <laughs> of that building. It is, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It is too long. Yeah. yeah I mean, oh this, yeah. Yeah. This show is like, uh, if something became sentient and escaped the robot chicken uh, production factory, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it feels like to me. It uh, looks, it looks like robot chicken. Like I said, they're only five minutes long, and I can't tell you exactly what actually happens in the episodes because I do not speak Danish. But in the pilot, he gets a job as a dog walker, uses his uh, wiener to dangle a sausage in front of a bunch of dogs. The dogs run too much amok. And then eventually he has to use his wiener and sausage trick to lure the dogs back into a truck and save the day. I mean, so the visual storytelling is very clear. That's the one yeah, thing yeah. you have to get yeah, the yeah. show. You could be very clear. Yeah. Basically, each episode, his dick gets him in trouble and then his dick gets him back out of trouble. God, that's, the, that's the formula. It's like yeah. Californication with David Duchovny all over again, you know, just <laughs> one episode of peace. In the second episode, he breaks a stoplight with his dong, but then oh, yeah. <laughs> with the same. I mean, it's very okay. Let me give you a com- here's my complete list of. I watched the first five. I think here's a list, not a complete list. Here's a incomplete list of some of the main things that I noticed that it, he did with his penis. He stopped a car. Um, he uses it sniffs like an elephant trunk, so he can tell when danger is coming. He uses it to raise a flag up a pole, and then winds it back down into his pants like a measuring tape very quickly. He raises a shotgun in the air and then fires it. Um, he at one point helps kids get balloons out of a tree, and that part made me pretty uncomfortable. That was the closest he got to kids. Um, he slingshots himself on a bike. To be clear, for those of you trying to picture this, um. It is, it's like a very long skinny elephant trunk, but it is covered in bathing suit. Right. So the the dong is also red and white striped, just like his bathing costume. And so you don't actually see, it's not super penis-y, which I appreciate. It's really, it sounds way crasser. I, I kind of forgot it was a penis, really, as I was watching it. That was kind of... So my... Let me ask you this. That's a great point. But if the show was called, if you spoke the language, so the la- so every time somebody referred to him, they were like, hey, Mish- Mr. Schlong, hey, Schlong man. Uh, and you were clicking on a tab in your browser that said like John Schlong man. Like, mm-hmm. would that make it harder to forget it's a penis? You were constantly hearing the word pee pee or schlong thrown in your face. Well, OK, so my response is going to be a little muddy because I actually read that this would be more like the equivalent of calling him John Johnson or something like that. Like oh, a more suggestive uh, name versus actual penis man. So I don't know. I I, it, I came in yeah. with that being the uh, what his John name Johnson, was. You would forget that it's about his penis. I'm not saying I would forget that it was about his penis. I just feel like that's enough distance for me to not be disturbed by other characters calling him like if it, the difference in other characters referring to him as John Penis Man versus John Johnson is, I, I think, I think enough for me to feel like, is this even a penis? Like, are we even? Is is this just a show about like a? I don't know. Like, like it it it, it penisified itself at some point in watching the show, which I know sounds ridiculous. No, it doesn't sound ridiculous at all. Actually, because it, that is precisely what the people who made the show say about it, which is that um, you know it's for kids to laugh at. So this right. guy who's got a tail that controls him is funny, 
and the fact that it's called Johnson is funny, and that's it. It's yeah, not. I, mean, I watched a few episodes, and I didn't see that giant dick shoot a long line of rope anywhere, and that's what I was <laughs> expecting. You know, that's the main thing I, about yeah, and I think I, much to its credit, um, for a show made for children, doesn't use it as a dick ever. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first off. You know, on Danish playgrounds, middle schoolers are constantly talking about you. You think he sucks his own dick because uh, that's already what kids talk about. I mean, this one uh, with this one in particular, it's not a question. It's yeah. the question is more like because it has its own mind. Does it like strangle him to death at some point? Does it decide <laughs> to, like I'm more worried about it turning evil than him having sexual ideas with it. Maybe he's just into autoerotic asphyxiation. You know, he can choke himself with his dick while he oh, chokes his dick. The you know? dream. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is so gross. Well, so here is the... Yes. Okay. So it sounds like we already have... We're kind of giving away a bit of our position on this. But what is your feeling on some of the condemnation? Let me give you a little bit about the controversy. So um, since premiering uh, a week and a half ago now, opponents have condemned the idea of a man who cannot control his penis. Quote, is this really the message we want to send to our children where we're in the middle of a huge Me Too wave, wrote the Danish author, Anne-Lisa Marstrand-Skurgensen. Um, but then on the other side, Erla Heinsen Hodgson, a clinical psychologist who works with families and children, said she believed the show's opponents may be overthinking things. Quote, John Dillermand talks to children and shares their way of thinking. And kids do find genitals funny, she said. Mm-hmm. So I think that yeah, there's yeah. something to like, especially being three Americans. And even if you're like the most sort of liberated comfortable with your body and nudity american you're still going to come off as prudish to most of the world because it's just like in it's embedded in a culture it is uh it is the type of thing that is like so dug into us and me personally um i'm a big fan of dicks on tv i i i like genuinely i am like happy that i've seen more and more dicks on television the past few years and i don't mean that in like a crass sexual way it's just the way especially with television a lot of prestige drama shows a lot show a lot of naked women constantly especially stuff on like hbo and you rarely ever get male nudity and the last few you years, you have I would say, it's like, like, uh, yeah, but, but, watched but, Crown recently, and you see the king's butt, but like, oh, count. I want to see the king's dick. All right, that's yeah. what counts. <laughs> I want to see that painter. But it, it is the type of thing. The last few years, there's I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's been a few shows that have been like, so like, kind of surprised and pleasant. Like, wow, I'm I'm happy we're doing this as a. Um, and you even say it out loud. Yeah. You're just yeah. in the in, in your living room, and it and it pops out, and you're just like, "I'm happy we're doing this." That's what yeah. you said. Exactly. I leaned over to my wife and I said, "I'm glad <laughs> just one." I'm happy. Thing. Um, I- <laughs> but also, like you know, a, a few months ago, I was telling you about uh, this uh, kind of great British Bake Off show called The Great Pottery Throwdown. Yes. Which is exactly like, uh, it's a British show, it was on British television, and in one of the seasons, uh, they had to do nude models. And they brought in this naked guy and this naked woman, and this was just like aired on regular British TV. And because it's a nude model, you just saw this guy's dick all over the place. And yeah. it's it's so, like, ever since that happened, ever since I watched it, because I got like, 
not uncomfortable, but I was just like, oh my God, you can't show a dick on a show like this. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, why is that? Because America yeah. has told me you can't show dicks on t- shows like this. Um, so I think, I always think that showing body um, stuff is better and like not building in shame. I had not considered the uh, the the poor message of sort of like, a guy who's controlled by his dick in a me too era. That is certainly a, uh, a point of view. I hadn't considered on it that I do find really interesting and worth discussion. But at the same time, I feel like, I mean, John Dillerman, I think is a better message than like Pepe Le Pew was when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, that talk about a guy who's also controlled by his dick. Right. And also his dick smells terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a specific problem. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think that um, it does seem like, well, actually, let me go actually, let's talk about this more peen on TV. Um, I, I think I'm with you. I did. I mean, like seeing the King's butt was super fun. I enjoyed all of that. And I sort of agree with you that butts don't count. We've kind of gotten there. So like you want to push it further. You can I'm show all- butts on CBS. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I and can't. Like, but I, I appreciate the thought, but like, oh, um, I oh, I, this is what I wanted to say. I'm sorry, I'm so, so stumbly. I was trying to go back three steps, but by the way, great pottery throwdown is the most that you have ever exposed people to a show. Anthony is because <laughs> you told me about it. I liked it. I told people about it, and at least seven people I know have watched it and loved it and told people about it. Like there is an R of like eight in your spreading of pottery throwdown. So I feel very proud. You have really exposed a lot of people to a really fun show. And that was before I knew about the dicks. Yeah. And honestly, I have to say the best part about it is the fact that I get money from you and the people who you made watch it, give you money. And I get some of that money. It's a pyramid scheme. I'm running through a pyramid off the hump. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh okay so more peen on tv here's what i i guess here here's what I, I worry about with this uh which is that um the arguments defending it also sound weak and that makes me feel bad for being on that side so one of the uh, uh one of the people from dr the network that aired the show was like it could have been the same if we just had a woman and her vagina was like going out and doing stuff yeah a and big I, old I, clip just the I'm lady just with not the giant. Sure I follow the logic of that. I'm not right, clear. Yeah. I, would that have been the same? <laughs> um, like not just so physically. Obviously, it would be difficult for it'd be a different kind of comedy. But also, yeah. do you think it would have been chill? Because I'm not sure people would have been chill about that. And so no. I do feel like now I'm in this double standard. Can you imagine if this was, um, lady? diller woman i don't know how the language works but if if it was like i don't know if her bathing suit was going out and engulfing a a trash truck and bringing it closer to her or however the comedy like i feel like people would be would respond very differently and so that makes me think if you're if the arguments on my side are bad then i also feel bad yeah i mean i i will say when i watched it i felt a little um I don't know, like carrot on stick. Like I started thinking about like wait, why did I even hear about this? And then I'm watching it. I'm like, it's to me uh, in watching it. I was just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's okay. But it got to me and it made me start thinking like, did they like, is this the intention? Like, was it like, we called him John Dickman, uh, 
it's not really it's it's not crass we're not actually trying to be offensive but we are trying to provoke just a little bit so that it gets out there like you know what i mean like i started thinking about how did this get to me essentially the creator of the show said that it came from it like sprouted from bedtime stories he told his four-year-old son and that raises more questions than it answers in my opinion what i don't know I, i mean your improvised going to bed stories you just came up with he has a 27 foot dick that does stuff for him that like, sounds that, great. That, sounds more about, that tells me more about you than it does about the history of this show. <laughs> no, I'm on board. I wish my dad had told me yeah. stories like that. But you are right. That you're you you did nail the the thing. I think with the whole like, there's a difference here that uh, it, it's like w- would the the female version of this show uh, have worked, or would it have just provoked even more? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that, like, I I don't want to pretend that I don't understand that there's a physical difference between one that looks like an elephant trunk and one that doesn't, and then it gives you more comedic potential. Like, I get the the prop is different, but I, yeah, I I think the social part is also there, and I don't know how to separate the two of them. I do know that the show is made for, you know, six-year-olds and not us, and the show was developed with a professional, they had a staff of child psychologists who read the scripts and made sure that they were being interpreted by children in the way that the series intended and that it was partially made by uh, the Danish sex ed network, like the the group that mm-hmm. handled all Danish sex ed. And I do also know that to Anthony's point earlier, American sex ed is very poor. And so if this is a way to get kids to laugh about ding dongs and then that leads to other conversations with them when they get older, that sounds good to me. I'm on the fence. I will. Yeah, but I here's mean, what I want before we go, I think we've talked a little bit about the controversy. Here's my real question. Is this enjoyable television? As media critics, how did you feel about it? It's fine. Some of the gags were good. I, you're yeah. seeing like a million dick jokes. Yes. So eventually some of them are just okay. And then there's like, I liked the one where it became sausage links. Like it saw, yeah. like, what do you yes, call it, that? He so okay so his 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 his, his diller went into a sausage factory yeah <laughs> and then we saw it come out like the exhaust port of said factory <laughs> and it was the stripiness but it was in those sausage casings that are attached to each other so it was like link 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 yeah, link yeah. sausage which you can only assume hurts real bad right it's like there was like some body horror stuff yes, going on yes, in that joke that yes. I thought was great yeah I agree yeah. that's fun. I, I'm I, more creeped out by his mustache than his dick. Is that fair? I think that is fair, actually. I mean, <laughs> does the dick have a mustache? Because that I, might be weird. I, I bet that's a gag they get to I'm eventually. Sure it puts on glasses that have a mustache attached to it. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was, you know, especially for like this age group, you know, it would probably be enjoyable. I just, I also do feel kind of weird as. You know, an American, I, I constantly feel like we need to sort out our own house before we're judging Denmark stuff. Totally. Um, you That's know, fair. especially with like, you know, like, oh, you know, best of the best children's programming has a guy who lives in a trash can. You know, gra- Oscar's a grouch because he's <laughs> homeless and no one on the street helps him out. You know, like it's, I think that there are also, worse messages. You know, what if he smiled more? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. really that's kind of the whole story the whole thing. <laughs> all right so that is john dillerman we will uh we have links on our website uh to you can watch all the episodes and to and read a yeah, little bit more you, about it if you were hanging out and thinking um 
I want to watch something I can't quite understand, plus end up on a few government watch lists at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's there a great go. way to knock off the two in a row, you know? <laughs> All right, for segment two today, it is the homework. So that, we covered all of the news. That was literally the only thing that happened last week in America, uh, was getting a sneak peek of this Denmark show. Um, <laughs> Denmark, Denmark, Danish? I don't it's, know. Anyway. It's been real boring in America. I don't know, the past no, few years. Just, I have no idea what, really what we've like been doing. Nothing's happening, you know? Well, fortunately, there is one thing happening, which is uh, our homework for this week uh, is our this is our segment where we actually I guess this is similar to what we did on the last one. But this is where we went and watched something long and have a a more in-depth discussion about it. Our homework this week was the 2020 Disney Pixar film Soul, directed by Pete Docter, starring the voices of Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey and with music by the great John Batiste. So this just dropped the also. Oh my God! Why can't I remember his name? Is uh, that Bob Dylan song? No, no not uh, Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Atticus Trent and Trent Reznor yeah. also did yeah. the music for this movie, which that fucking makes sense. Yeah. Wait, what part did Trent? Re- I know John Batiste did the piano. What did Trent do? Tr- uh, they did the score. The like oh. afterlife sounds are so Trent Reznor, yeah. yeah. Oh right, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, also uh, Reggie Watts was a voice in the band. I believe he's the drummer. I think. Um, oh, that was is, Reggie? I didn't even realize that. I believe that is Reggie Watts. I, well, could I be. thought that was Quest Love who was played Baldy. I need to look up the soul cast. I could be, I, I could have I could be mistaken. It could be Quest Love. That would be two late night house band musicians in the show, which would also be really interesting. Um but anyway, uh that is Soul. Let me give you a quick actually let me give you the micro summary in case you have not seen the movie Soul while Anthony digs into this cast and makes sure. We credit everybody correctly. It was Quest Love. Yeah, it was Quest Love. Quest Love. Sorry, my bad. Quest Love, not as fun. Um, still cool. Differently cool. Um, yeah, Fortune Feimster was in there as one of the Jerry's, uh, or as all of the Jerry's. Um, no, one of the Jerry's. Anyway, that's super cool. Fortune Feimster blew the fuck up this year. All right, now um, let me give you the micro summary for those who have not seen the brand new film Soul, uh, available on Disney Plus. Uh, okay. Joe is a middle school band teacher who, like most of them, wishes he was something else. In this case, a jazz piano player. And he finally gets his big chance when he auditions for for a legendary quartet and nails it, but celebrates by falling in a hole and fucking dying. Because it's a Disney movie. (laughs) Now, now, what you need to understand is that security in heaven isn't what you'd think. Uh, It turns out, if you just really didn't want to die... You can run backwards through all of the dying souls until you get to the baby souls area where God or whoever is prepping them to be implanted into tiny human bodies at the moment the egg gets all jizzed up or at birth or at the fifth birthday, depending on your belief system. Nobody notices uh, that Joe is uh, supposed to be dead, and so he gets assigned to be the mentor for the world's worst soul ever created as played by Tina Fey. Um, together they go down to earth for a bit. He teaches that baby soul that life is rad by giving it pizza. And then he wins his freedom to go back to earth and play his piano gig. And I guess talk some wild shit at the bar afterwards. And that <laughs> is the movie soul. 
Um, this is a new movie, so I am like a little bit less spoilery, mm-hmm. um, but definitely there's going to be heavy spoilers. I should have said that already. So the homework is usually spoilerful. So um, dig in, but I'll yeah, save a few I, surprises for later. I will say, like, definitely we should be somewhat. We haven't really discussed that this beforehand, but with this movie, uh, you know, if you're interested at all in watching it, I, I don't want to speak for the other two here, but I I really really enjoyed this movie, and I have a. Um, a pretty hard, fast rule with Pixar films. I'm a huge fan of the studio, but to me, with Pixar, here's how you know if a Pixar movie is going to be great or mediocre or bad. You Wait can know me. instantly by how hard and confusing the teaser trailer like <laughs> the the more you feel that somebody is sitting in a room going, how the fuck am I going to... Wait, this movie's about what? Uh, <laughs> so, like, the weirder the pitch is... The bigger the reach you like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. That's when it's, like, going to be like, oh, uh, I stop watching trailers immediately for Pixar movies if the teaser's really weird and it seems like they're having a tough time selling the concept because that's when you know it's going to be a real banger. If you yeah. can get across the concept in like 30 seconds, like the curves or like, what if Mike and Solly were in college? Uh, it's just like, okay, yeah, this is not gonna, what if they have to find Dory? I get exactly what this movie is. But when you're like, this guy, he's gonna be a soul and Tina Fey is there. Uh, see this movie this year. Um, like that's when you're like, fuck yes, I am all in. So that's, I, I mean that's interesting because Finding Nemo is good and Finding Dory is only okay. So it sounds like you should have been able to like Finding Nemo is pretty straight, straight up as well. Well, but I mean, even but well, like, except for you don't know who Nemo is before. Oh, that's true. Like, but you do know how, yeah. that's a very good point, right? You're just like a Finding Nemo. Who's Nemo? What is this? And then and then the sequel Finding Dory it doesn't work anymore because I already know who Dory is and I already know the structure of the movie basically yeah, or even I, from the title. I even liked Finding Dory. I do think Finding right. Dory is kind of like mid-tier, but like to me, this soul in particular is up there with... Uh, I think Pete Docter has been probably oh, the most yeah. consistent voice, uh, and it's just really tackling really interesting things you don't normally get. The Pete uh, Docter, his for movies. those of you who don't know this offhand, also did Inside Out, Up, and Monsters, Inc. Yes. Yeah. Inside and Out makes a lot of sense because this this well, feels does, this is the same Inside movie. Out. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is if Inside Out uh, had a little tiny soul baby uh, with the Good Place. It's just yeah, Inside totally. Out and the Good Place mish, mishmashed yeah. together. But, but also, but also it's the, up in that there's a horrible death in the first five minutes. But uh, um, I, what I was trying to get at with that is that in terms of being sensitive, sensitive with spoilers, I went in kind of knowing the broad strokes of kind of what we had discussed, uh, but I didn't, I haven't seen any of the trailers after that. Right. So there was a lot of things in this movie, like even the idea of them going back to Earth was something I wasn't aware they were going to do. And that's to me, was some of the most delightful stuff in the movie. Totally. Um, so I, I feel like I feel okay spoiling spoiling stuff that is in the in the trailer and the fact that he dies, which was a real big surprise to some people, uh, which <laughs> just told me they watch the trailer because the trailer like starts with him dying, and yeah. so you have a pretty good idea that this is not going to be an easy day for a piano player. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Which, I mean, we can all agree, every day is usually an easy day for a piano player. Oh, it's <laughs> the easiest job in the world. It's such a I mean. respected uh, profession that, you know, there's I, very little... Yeah, well, okay, so so we know, okay, we know where you're feeling. So this is top tier for Pixar, which is a studio you already think very highly of. Yes. Hunter, where do you fall on this? And yeah, where do so you think in the in the pantheon of Pixar? The Pixar. My, my my like cheesy newspaper review would be like Pixar return to form kind mm-hmm. of movie. But not necessarily. I think maybe I'm a little colder on it than Anthony. I don't find it to be completely original, but I am glad that Pixar is back doing stuff like this, essentially. Well, um, I, so I guess, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad overall, but I do feel a lot of other Pixar movies movie. in this movie. Yeah, I do yeah. also think that like I really, really enjoyed this. I didn't like. It's weird to say like I kind of my yardstick for good Pixar movies is how like emotionally devastated I am at the end. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and this movie, like, I'm the type of guy. Uh, like, I'll admit this any day of the week. I cry constantly. At oh movies. yeah. I I'm a very easy mark. I, when it I comes cry at commercials, so I'm not. Yeah. This is not a tough call for me. And like Inside Out genuinely hit me in a really powerful way, and like emotionally devastated me. Soul, I never really got there. Like I never really yeah. had like a big, like yeah. a kind of profound moment of like, oh, that's what this movie is saying, and that's very sweet. Um, but I I enjoyed it all the way through. But yeah, I I did not find it to be like make me you know, ugly face cry like some of the right. Pixar movies do, no. you know? I totally agree. I I found it to... Well, so I guess, I yeah, I liked it. I definitely, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I like it a lot. Um, I'm definitely a little cooler than your early um, excitement for it. So I feel like that puts me in a weird place where I'm like, am I going to be the negative voice? But it's only because you're like, I'm at a nine and you're at a 10 maybe. Mm. But it's, uh, and yeah, it doesn't, it's not nearly as emotionally de- devastating as some other things. I think the, I do think it doesn't feel super original. And I think that is one thing that stuck with me is just how much like, I mean, the fact that the, the fact that the afterlife is just doing the Janet joke and it's called Jerry is just like, if it didn't start with a hard G sound, I might like it better. Right. Yeah. It's like so similar to that, uh, that show that that really, and also it looks like the finder icon on Mac. Like it just real, that part took a lot out of, out of me from my, from, from purely loving it. And I do think that the, the system of the afterlife is way more questions than answers. And the message is really muddled to me in a way that like, I think inside out is much clearer about what you're like, what it's saying about humanity and growing up. And this one is much more, much more vague in its its conclusions but also i I think that like it's the type of movie that you know when you're like upset with a a movie that is like look this movie set out to answer the most profound question in the history of questions and it didn't nail it what a bummer it's like I, i get what you're saying but i just think that it is like and there's also like this this concept of people uh kind of dying and then like coming back to earth is also has been done in a lot of movies, you know, from like, uh, like heaven can wait or like, uh, that one when like defend your life. There's a lot of films. Defending your life. Yeah. This did remind me of. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess I, yeah, I think that, so I think inside out is trying to answer extremely profound questions as well and just gets closer. Um, and, and, and this, it, like, it's not that it didn't nail it. It's that it made some, it made some uh, decisions that I think are very weird and troubling. Yeah. 
Um, so it's a little different, but I also enjoyed it a lot. And I think the main thing for me about this is the, is the look and the music and the way it talks about music. Yeah. I think that part of it is the heart of it to me way more than the, uh, like the life. And, and also like him learning that being a teacher is good, which feels a little bit disingenuous to me. Um, but like the look of New York is the most incredible thing I've ever seen animated. Yeah. The city of New York is so beautiful. It gave and me then, video game vibes. Like like that kind of thing when you play a new video game that's just so wildly better than other video games where you're just like almost in awe. You're not even paying attention to what's happening anymore. You're just like, whoa, look at this world that's been built. Level up. And that's, yeah. I think, why half of the movie takes place in a generic, in a like bland, not bland, interesting, but in a geometric and easy to animate yeah. afterlife because they needed a break from every single pixel and shading that they had to do on earth. It was so insanely time consuming that they're like, let's have part of it just be kind of wild and easy. Yeah. I mean, right. the, the line Pixar has gotten closer and closer to over the last few years, uh, in terms of like their their texture work and their design, in terms of like the way they can do really wild, imaginative settings, but also like like you said, the New York. It's just like the way it looks is stunning, and it is. It does kind of make me sad that um, I didn't get a chance to see this on like the biggest screen available to totally. me. Um, totally. I do think that there are definitely sequences in this movie that would have been uh awe-inspiring to I see agree. in a theater. Completely. Uh, completely that, that. that really I also think I probably would have if I had saw this thing you know in a packed theater filled with a lot of kids who were really enjoying themselves, I think I would have come out even hotter on this movie. Yeah. Um because that totally. is such like an intoxicating experience that you usually get with these types of films. Uh yeah. but yeah they're the the line they walk between like having things that look essentially photorealistic, but also like fit stylistically with their characters is like incredible. Like the fact that they can do that. Um, it's so, it's so good. Phenomenal. Also just the, the way they animated music, the way they like, he plays the piano and he plays the notes mm-hmm. and, and which is actually, it's actually kind of interesting thing about animation that you can do that in a way that you couldn't with live action unless you had a pianist this good play it. So unless you had John Batiste doing his own, like playing the character, you couldn't have an actor playing the piano as well as this animated character does because they just filmed John Batiste playing piano from a bunch of different angles and then animated his fingers in the right pose on the right keys for every single note. And it's incredible. Yeah, yeah I've never seen someone play piano I, I, like that in a movie it's, it's so cool it's weird when you see like like um different mediums and different things kind of hit on consistent things in one year like last year also had in the last of us part two there's a bunch of guitar playing sequences mm-hmm. and the fingering is completely correct in all yeah. of them and like some of them are done like in game, like you can switch from chord to chord. And oh, I, right, yeah, you showed me that. Yeah, I had never seen 
anything like that in a video game or an animated film. And then in one year, many annoying things about me is that when there's a movie and somebody plays music, I immediately look at their hands to see if it's realistic. And I wish I didn't, I don't need to, it doesn't help anybody. It certainly doesn't make my life better, but I always do. And I have played enough music to be pretty good at telling. And so immediately on this, I was like, Oh my God, they made this just for people like me. <laughs> yeah, you, Do you know uh, how many people who worked 12 hour days on shading fingers so right. that I could have fun right now? Right. So you could just special. be like, they did it. They did it. Yeah. They did the thing I wanted. Yeah, it's why I mean, it was mass- worth it though. I'm not even that guy. I'll go, I'll go with a with a movie and just be like, yeah, whatever. They're not blind. Yeah. I don't care. Sure, you can play guitar. I don't care. But that- it did enhance it because I, you know, I wasn't specifically told that that's what was happening. But when he started playing, I knew, oh, well, that's correct, actually. <laughs> yeah, that there, know, yeah, there's something deeper going on here. Yeah. yeah. That's, why, that's why your favorite movie, Alex, is Master and Commander, right? Um, obviously, in order to play along with this joke, you're going to have to give me a tiny bit more information than that. Oh, but I'm well, here for it. I, I'm going to riff on it, whatever uh, it is. Well, uh, first off, it's just a great fucking movie. I know how you like it. <laughs> But secondly, uh, Paul Bettany and Russell Crowe both learned how to play uh, their instruments that they play. You know, they're on the ship. They play instruments a lot. Do they Uh, do do sea shanties? uh, No, they're more like classical, like in Uh, the back room playing music for themselves. uh, Because they're the master and the commander. You know, he's not hanging out with the people. Um, Oh, look at that. I even found a picture of them playing instruments. Okay. Here's my question, though. Which is a higher rank in the military, master or commander? Well, I think he's the master and commander, I believe. Oh, it's the one guy. Right, yeah. right. Oh, uh, man, that's like finding out, like, good and bad and the ugly is one guy. Yeah. I, well, I think... wait, what? Aren't those three different characters? Yeah, they're yeah. three different characters. Yeah, right? yeah, like, they, they were you one. just told me, though, you're like, oh, you misunderstood. It was that one guy was all three of them, and then he has two oh. friends that are not mentioned in the title. <laughs> I assume master and commander were different people. Okay, um, here I want to talk a little bit about the philosophy, though, because there's one thing that really... As this is also very personal to me, so it's very different for other people. But I, the main character, is a teacher of music and a wants to be a performer of music. And I, he wants to be a performer more than he wants to be a teacher. And I, well, let's see, how can I do this without being too spoilery? There is, a, there is a part where he plays music and does not feel as much as he was hoping to feel. And that, it bummed me out that the message of this movie was going to be, it felt like they were saying teaching is actually better than doing the art you were trying to do. And as someone who is teaching comedy and trying to do comedy, even, and I like, I like teaching it. There's very meaningful moments. And when you see something click for somebody and you see somebody follow advice that you gave them and then succeed, it's really incredibly powerful, but the worst show is better than the best day teaching for me. I, I, I also feel the negative. So good. <laughs> I feel a negative with that, but I don't. I, di- I didn't actually take that to be the message. I didn't understand what the movie was trying to tell me with that specifically. I just felt like it was a little too vague for me to glean. What See, the, I, instead, yeah. I almost just took it as being like a story about you know I don't know just like uh, kind of the same story that's been done a million times in this way of like actually just kind of seizing control of your life and and doing living right. your so life you know yeah, I, mean, I i think that the whole movie is in the there's a um like a short monologue or an anecdote uh a woman tells near the end yeah the fish story and i think that is more it's more less about like that 
you know, teaching is better than performing, but it's that like when you build up something in your head, that is like the thing that gives you meaning. And, 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 you know, it's a classic thing. You see this with a lot of people who spend their lives dedicating to do something, they get it done. And then there's like, you hear about this profound emptiness and loneliness that comes with that. Right. This like, but not in this particular instance, because the woman telling the fish story is a professional touring musician at the top of her game, at the top of the respect you can get in jazz. So not that high, but still incredibly well-respected. And she said, you don't get many shows like that. Like she still felt a lot in that moment. And so to say to somebody else, you just stop and smell the roses. You're already doing it. It felt like, no, that's a guy who just went to hell today and right. that's why he's not feeling as much about this show is because he's got a lot of shit on his mind. He's just visited hell. So, well, see, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know that the film that I got that from the film either. I, I honestly, I was excited. No, I don't think you got that part. That's my only explanation right. for why that's he kind of your head more. cannon, yeah. Because because there are things that I've tried really hard for, and then I got to do like when I was on uh, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, which I'm not bragging about, but I'm telling you that was like uh, that was yes. by far my career pinnacle. And you know what it felt like? It felt like a career pinnacle. It was incredible. Yeah. And it, so it's not like I didn't get there and feel profound emptiness. I was like, wow, I wish I could do cool shit like this every day. This is the best. Like but when I mean, we do, most of you know, when you do a comedy and when you do a great show, it doesn't feel like a profound emptiness. You're like, that was insane. I love that. And then you yeah. ride the adrenaline and then you feel you from loneliness and emptiness later, but not sure. walking out of the theater. But I mean, I think that it's also like, I've never had like a really profound day beforehand. You know what I'm, I think it's like there's to me, it worked. I can see where your complaint and it's not your complaint, but you're sort of like your reading of it was coming from. Um, but it's like, have you ever seen uh, inside Llewellyn Davis? Alex? No, I've tried to, I, I, I feel like I would be invading Llewellyn Davis's privacy. And so uh, I, try to you, I think you should see, Inside Llewellyn Davis, I think, is maybe the most profound movie about making art and trying to be successful uh, that I've ever seen. It's okay. I, I think it's it. something that is like absolutely well. I, it's kind of hard to get into without yeah, Coen Brothers. I think it's one of their best movies, and I think it is like especially if you're like a someone who wants to be creative or like to create stuff and have that. It's a profoundly depressing movie, and I think it really uh, like no, I don't like might, anymore. Might fuck you up for a few days, Alex. But I think you should see it because I think it deals with a lot of the stuff you're sort of talking about and around now, but in a much more straightforward way. Um, I also like I watched it with like six other comedians uh, of all like different levels and success. Uh, and it was like no one was like riffing or making jokes, and we all at the <laughs> end were like, "Wow, that's that's some heavy shit." And like talked about our own careers and lives afterwards. It's phenomenal. Uh, but I would suggest yeah. uh, you check it out because it deals with a lot of the stuff you're kind of bringing up now, um, and I think you would like it a lot. All right, so two more quick things before we wrap up on Soul. Uh, number one, I wanted to bring out and see how you felt about um, my dad's issue with this movie, um, which is a, a, a through line he has seen and felt in other Pixar movies where it feels to him like sometimes they're a little preachy in saying, hey, actually being a star and being doing art and being in New York and Hollywood or whatever, doing amazing, cool things, 
is not that important. You should like where you're at in your mediocre life. And that it, <laughs> he feels like Hollywood people telling him, no, actually, normal life is the best. Um, another example of that is cars, where they're like, no, the highway is not important. The cool thing is small towns. But it's exclusively made by people who are not living in small towns right. because they would rather be in L.A. because of the work they're getting to do that they think is cooler than normal life. So he feels a bit of like, don't do amazing things. You're just be happy in your small town. And he doesn't he doesn't always love that vibe. Do you guys feel that vibe? Do you think that's fair? I don't know if I like I, I, I don't know if I interpret it the exact same way, but although I know exactly what you're talking about, um, but I don't know if I feel that so strongly when I'm watching them. Like with this movie, did I feel that way? I don't really I don't really think so, because I, I guess for me, the critical part of the movie that would drive this home, I just found to be like like it just didn't land with me. Um, there's the whole thread about uh, desire. I was like really intrigued by like when like when they're talking about there's an aspect of the movie where the uh, the like child souls have to find uh, their spark, which is just like something they that they really care about that gives them like, I guess, like a will to live or something. I can't even describe yeah. it that well, because honestly, the movie doesn't really nail down to me what's trying to say with this particular For a subject. while, it feels like it's a hobby and then it's like not a hobby, but it's really not helping you know what it is. Yeah, I, I, they it, they purposely obsc- obscure it because it's kind of meant to be sort of like a misdirection at the end, right? You're supposed to assume it's one thing uh, for most mm-hmm. of the movie. So that they the say that you get it by walking through the hall of hobbies. And so as far as a mister, I feel bad about them. I like, I feel annoyed by a misdirect when you just lied to my face. That's not the same as misdirecting me. It's more like unreliable narrator now. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's so, it's tricky too, because honestly that moment where he comes out, when he gets what he wanted and he's like, oh, that didn't feel that great. I was actually super interested in the movie at that point. I was like, what? Yeah, that's where this movie is going now. And I was so interested in what is going to happen next, because I do think in a kind of psychoanalysis type way, uh, there is an interesting relationship between like what we want uh as like something in the, you know, away from us. And then when we get it, not feel like, I, I think there's a lot of interesting questions with desire that the movie could have been setting itself up to explore. I just then didn't feel like the conclusion of the movie actually gave me anything more to chew on. It was kind of like that happened right. to him. And then, and then the movie ended to me uh, in a kind of normal way of just like, he gets another chance and, and this time he's going to do this time. He's going to live every day to the fullest. That's what I felt like with the end of the movie, yeah. basically, which is a little bit trite, a little bit, a little bit, but there's so many, I, I feel like we have talked about this a little, I don't want to put too much emphasis on this. Cause I liked this movie, even in spite of this thing that happened at the end. And so also, let me do this then. I just want to say Hunter, you also like can deeply relate to this movie because you also, uh, a pitting on a voice. You can change your voice at any time. Oh yeah, uh, you're and, right. Yeah, and give give a real voice. You know, you can be that real deep, scary guy. You can yeah, be the high pitch guy. You can be the yeah. yeah. guy. I, I, mean, I know what you're referring to, and uh, I'm just uh, not going to give it to you. Oh, there we go. Uh, I love it. Okay. 
So my last question about salt, actually something Anthony brought up that I'm curious now about, um, which is what are your top three or so Pixar movies? Like, what do you consider if there's three tiers of Pixar movies? And if we had, if we, let's say, let's say actually there's three tiers of good Pixar movies, like good, really good and great. And then there's like the good dinosaur has a separate one. So, um, <laughs> and, or in cars, three cars, two cars, two. Yeah, those two, the good dinosaur, in their own category down at the bottom. Yeah, they get a special uh, category. So there's otherwise there's three main categories. Um, so Hunter, what did what do you put in the top tier? As many as you want, but what are your hard? I know it's super hard. I've been like staring at this list trying to come up with my own, and it, it, it needs to be a fairly large top category. But and I mean, it also matters when I saw it in my life. Definitely is affecting my placement. I, on this, but. It, it, I feel like if I do a tier, I'm going to list like too many movies. So I'm just going to give you three that I think might be. I know what my number one is uh, because I'm actually really obnoxious about it. And my friends have banned me from ever talking about this movie. But my favorite Pixar movie is Toy Story 2. Um, Interesting. And I think because I think what Toy Story 2 does is almost impossible to do. Um, And that, in fact, the only reason we're talking about Pixar right now is because Toy Story 2 worked. Um so there's that. Uh, well, so I, I just want to be clear that your friend ban on talking about Toy Story 2 does not apply to the podcast yet. So you haven't brought this up yet, and I would be interested in hearing more about it. And if you abuse the privilege, I will ban you from talking <laughs> about it. But so far, you know, like, fucking live your life, man. I just think the the story of them making Toy Story 2 is so insane. All the things that that the fact that they had they accidentally threw the movie out and that they had to start over many times. The fact that the movie, like the the fact that there could even be a sequel to Toy Story 2 that works on any level uh, is crazy because it's not like Toy Story 1 was complex enough, I think, to warrant a sequel, honestly. Um, And then not only, in my opinion, too, it's like better than Toy Story 1 in like every single way. It has better, it has better, a better emotional thread through it. Um, a much better conflict like in toy story one there's kind of this weird like why am i rooting for woody exactly like why is sucks yeah that's i mean that's the storyline of all four movies is that woody is kind of shitty right but in 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 toy story 2 i can like relate to woody's uh shittiness also i think the um oh what is the song called the the jesse backstory sequence song the yes yeah yeah i know exactly what you're talking about Um, yes that sequence is my favorite pixar sequence and when i was a kid that was the first time any pixar movie ever just kicked me right in my heart in the butt of my heart it kicked very hard and it left a scar in my heart that is just there forever you wanted to look this up the song is called when she loved me yes oh my god okay that's all, yeah, um, that is incredible. And, it, and it'll kick you right in your heart's butt. Yeah. Um, and also, I think it's, I mean, like, to to kind of just say, like, like, for me, I think when I saw that movie, I was just the perfect age for it to imprint itself into my brain as, like, one of, one of the best movies of all time uh, for me. Um, so that's my number one with a bullet, e- easily right. said. Right. I think after that... Uh, I'm going to go just kind of right down the middle and say Wally is uh, great, even though the second half isn't as good as the first half. First half is amazing. It should have just all been that, to be honest. Um, And then I I don't know. Coco. uh, Coco was a movie that I sat down to watch it and was like, 
uh, this is just another Pixar movie. I've seen a million of these. And then it like beat through that wall and got me. So that's kind of like when when I sit down to watch a movie and I feel like it's like so unoriginal and then still in spite of that, like find something new to say and and gets me in a whole new way. That's also kind of impressive. So. That's what I got. That's, that's a perfect list. I, I mean, you're wrong, but I, this is very reasonable uh, grouping. Um, I think mine are, I totally agree with what you said about Coco. That's a very well said, which is that they, and I obviously I think they knew this, but it felt like this is the, to- this is the Pixar cookie cutters and uh-huh. yet we have to make it good. And they w- were able to do that. Um, I think the ones that got me the most in my heart are up and inside out and cars and i know that's weird and no it must it might have just been the day that i watched cars um but i did not like wally when i watched it i found it very similar to the dinosaur movie in terms of how i felt about it emotionally i feel like wally is the most i've ever seen disney spend fat shaming people Right, it's, yes. it's their main motivation is that they do not like you if you are above a perfect weight, in their opinion. Um, whereas I felt like Cars was actually very interesting and lovely coming of age story. But so I think Up, Inside Out, and uh, Cars were the three that hit me the hardest. And then I also like thinking what has affected me the long term thinking back on it by far the most is Ratatouille. Yeah, that's I mean, that one that is, I come back to in my head more than anything else. Ratatouille yeah. is my number one with a bullet in terms of like I just I think Ratatouille is a perfect film and is just exactly what I want in terms of like just such a weird high concept film. Uh, with I think uh, I mean I I think just the way the plot plays out in Ratatouille how how much it uses the scale stuff. And then that, uh, that finer Peter O'Toole monologue at the end of Ratatouille is maybe one of my favorite things ever written. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of Ratatouille. And then, and for me, I would also put the Incredibles up there. I, I like all four of the Toy Story films quite a bit. I think that they, especially like the idea of growing up, with Toy Story has been like a real pleasure of my life. Like the fact that I think like having the Toy Story sequel come out when I was, you know, however old I was. And then three coming out, I think the perfect point um, in my life. And I thought four had a very uh, nice story as well. And then four has that character who was constantly trying to commit suicide, which was just like the perfect age for all of us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so if it's <laughs> like it was it was the age where all of us were like maybe life was a mistake. That's what Toy yeah, Story 4 right, was just right. really I mean, well timed for. What more what they were trying to do with Forky was that if you've ever watched the baby, all they literally try to do is kill themselves. Yes, but they made a baby uh, that can speak adult words and all it says is I am trash, I want to die. <laughs> I mean, if you if a baby could speak speak and was just shitting in his pants and everything was scary. That's also what they would be I saying. I think that's very fair. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Inside Out, the Toy Story series, Ratatouille and The Incredibles are my favorite. And then I also want to give a shout out to a couple of the shorts that I've made oh, really, really impactful. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget which movie it was on. I think it was on Coco. But seeing Bao in yeah. a live studio audience, live studio audience, a live audience, uh, because... You know, it's a short, no one knows what it's going to be about. But when the mom ate the baby in Bao, 
Uh, I have never seen a theater react quite like that. <laughs> and it was one of my favorite uh, movie going experiences I've ever had. Uh, people yeah. just lost their minds at that. Uh, uh, so I, and that director is doing uh, uh, a new Pixar movie and will be uh, kind of the new school of Pixar, which is I'm kind of excited to see. Like, Her name is Domi Shi, and she is working on a movie called Turning Red. Yes, which looks really, really good. And yeah, if you, uh, a lot of the Pixar f- films, I think kind of, you know, they're, they're sort of slouch, if you want to call it. They're sort of mid-tier. A lot of it came from, you know, sort of like once Disney had acquired them and sort of started making them take more safer routes. And a lot of their, you know, kind of first class of filmmakers went on to start doing live action stuff and moved over to Disney Animation Studios. The biggest problem Pixar has always had was that they didn't foster new talent for a long time. They didn't promote new directors. They didn't do that. And they've gotten in the habit of, you know, promoting new directors, having co-directors on each of their movies, allowing those directors to like move up and go from shorts to co-producers to real director. Um, yeah, that's, that's it's, like of all the companies, they're the only one that has a real reputation for shorts. They should have the easiest time with a minor league. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, the biggest problem was you had a uh, scumbag and a creep running the company who Very liked true. it being a boys club. Uh, yeah. And then once he got ousted, uh, you know, I don't know, hopefully better people uh, yeah. in terms of being actual people, but also much better in terms of like hiring more diverse voices. And like, if you are interested at all in this and you have Disney Plus, they did this thing called Pixar like Spark Shorts, which are a bunch of like 20 person team short films that are exclusively on Disney Plus. Uh, and some of them are like stuff that Pixar and Disney, I don't think would ever have greenlit to like be in front of Soul or Coco or any of their big films. But they're small shorts that deal with like, you know, parents raising kids are on the sort of special needs spectrum or like coming out to your parents as a gay man or uh, having like it. They really are tackling very difficult uh, subjects. And how to deal really with having a 27 foot long diller. Yeah, there yeah, you that, go. That would be Finally the next upcoming money. one. Yeah, so. spark shorts for sure. All right, that's a, a great pitch and a great shout out there. Uh, and that I think is going to wrap us up on Soul. All right, for our third and final segment of the day, it's time for the argument. Um, this week we we're gonna. I have so many good meat meat buddy suggestions, and I promised you I would use them, and I will. But first, I want one more that has been um, nagging me, and I think you two are the perfect people to bring this up. And I can't remember if I told you any of this story before. I may have, but we're going to talk about it in the argument format. So um, the argument is where we take a topic, usually a yes or no question. Well, today it's actually a spectrum is the answer uh, is going to be the available. So Hunter, since you don't play by the rules, perfect for you. And we're going to hash it out and get to the truth deep down within it. So if you could give me a deep voice, Hunter, to kick off the argument. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the argument, baby. Perfect. So this week's argument question comes from listener and host me. Um, so the question is, how much noise would your neighbor have to make for you to knock on their door and ask them to turn it down? 
how much noise would your neighbor have to make for you to go over there and say something about it? It would have to and, be like somebody's hurt amount of noise, like a, a worrying. Sleep, like hospital, like you'd, you'd go over there to do medical work. It'd have to be like, you know, like a shotgun blast or like a dynamite goes off or, okay. or maybe yeah, like I mean, a bunch of ducks. Well, is, what are we bunch of ducks? Wait, 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 we're going to talk yeah, about like ducks. animal noises. Yeah, okay. Like, how many, how much duck would be a problem for you? Like, here's if it's question. like, if we're talking like 50 ducks, okay, I'm going to yeah. come down. Wait, okay. I'm confused. Are we talking about you're going to knock on the door to check? Out of concern? No, yeah, th- no. This is or, this is this is to to ask them to have less, to suggest they have fewer ducks, or to let them know that their ducks are annoying you. Okay, Basically, well, you're, you're going to tell them to get their ducks in a row. In yes. that case, <laughs> it it all depends on what day of the week and what time it is. Like totally. if it's if it's before 10 p.m. Uh, most days of the week, I'm I'm not going to say anything because you know. Whatever, I can deal with it. But I do have a neighbor currently who uh, is a young guy whose wife left him by saying she was going to go visit his gr- her grandma and then never came back home. Uh, and it's been having kind of a rough year. Uh, this happened like two weeks before COVID, by the way. Oh, uh, no. So he is maybe she's of- with the grandma and couldn't travel. No, no, she left him. She ended okay. up. Um, uh, he got an invite to her new wedding. Uh, <laughs> but okay, that's pretty. Yeah, I I believe he's it. Been now. Having a bad, he's been having a rough year, and he plays the most obnoxious uh, sort of like EDM. Which, like, hey, if you like it, that's cool. I'm not a big fan of the constant drum and bass coming through my walls. No, but and, and that's a perfect example, though, of the kind of thing that would be more disruptive i think because of its like because every edm song is 26 minutes long yes and it's just constantly the amount of and the bass is a big issue for me yeah so the only times i have ever gone over there or had to knock on a wall of that was when he was like doing it really late and my wife who has to get up early for work asked me to uh and it's like if you if you're like interfering with our lives like we can't sleep because you're making all this noise. That will be fair. But I wouldn't, you know, I, I have also been the asshole playing music too loud and I wouldn't appreciate people coming over to my house if it wasn't before 10 PM. Crucially, uh, you have gone over to someone's house and asked them to turn down the music. Yes, I have done that. Just the one time? Uh, just the once. Yeah. And he, uh, was kind of dickish about it, but then came over the next day and apologized with this whole, like, dude, I've just been going through a lot, but I'll keep it. You found out about the wedding? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, basically. So, Hunter, have you ever made a noise complaint? What do you think? No, I don't think you have. No, never. Never, Does ever. Does your, uh, your girlfriend have an issue with noise that is different from you? Does she have a different noise threshold? Um. Well, we have a pretty good system. She uses, uh, she uses like, ear, like, uh, earplugs. I don't know why I couldn't think of what earplugs are. Uh, and yeah, no, we are we're we're pretty good at staying out of each other's way when it comes to noise. And I, I, we we both kind of flirt with being a night owl, so we do kind of have to pay attention to that. But I am immune to noise when I'm like sleeping or whatever, just completely. Yeah. So, so I am I am mostly immune to noise. I sleep pretty easily with noise. When we moved into our first apartment, like 12, 13 years ago, we were 
above a nightclub and across the street from a condo building that was in its was still a parking lot but was going to be dug down four stories and up 22 so we had construction noise for three constant years there and we had a nightclub downstairs going on thursday friday saturday sunday from like eight to three um every night and never had a problem sleeping i'm totally good with all those things wow, my wife's a little bit more awesome. sensitive to noise but we had so this is the where this started was we moved into our new apartment here and our downstairs neighbor this is why and i feel i'm so embarrassed to even bring this up to you guys because you're especially with you hunter because you're so chill and because this is about video games Ooh. our downstairs neighbor after we were here for about a month got a new oh i did tell you a little bit about this one on our stream one day he got a um a, a shooting based video game mm-hmm and the main problem was the amount of time, which was all of the time. <laughs> it, there was never a moment. It wasn't like it's when we're going to sleep. It was like we would go to sleep. We would wake up in the middle of the afternoon. It was just wow. all day long. And the it wasn't that it was loud. It was that he had a subwoofer. And whenever the gun would go off, oh which is God. all the time. It literally, our heater, which is a big old metal heater built into our wall that shares a wall with his, would shake and make go rattle, 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 rattle. So Yeah, okay, this is excessive. Like, even Chill Hunter would be like, all right, uh, what's going on? Like, we need to talk about this. I feel like I could have probably dealt with it. I could, which is, I just spend more time in the other room. I was pretty chill about it, but it, it, it was the kind it, like it would I feel like it would actually start to mess with my inner ear after a certain amount of time. And we went downstairs and we're like, hey, we're your new neighbors. So sorry to bother you. It's a little bit loud. And they were like totally cool about it. And then nothing changed. <laughs> oh, I love that. For two weeks and we were so stressed out about it. And this, like, I've literally never sent food back. I've never. This is the first yeah, time we've ever knocked right, a stranger's right. door about anything. I it was the most the first time was the most stressful thing we've ever done. And then we had to do it again. And one of my friends was like, oh, you know what? The, I read this. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to bring cookies. So we oh. bought cookies and it was right right before co- or like early covid like February. So it was like we don't want to give you something homemade cuz that might feel weird to you. So we went out and bought cookies and brought them and we're like, "Hey, we're so sorry." And they even with cookies were super shitty about it. And uh wow. his wife was like actually, you know, he's cuz he was playing right then when we got downstairs. She's like, "It's not even that loud." And standing in their living room or in their entryway, I was like, "You're right. It's not that loud. I can see why this is not loud to you." This the thing that is not loud in the room is worse in my apartment because of the way it right. rumbles the walls. Right. Um, but they did after that, it totally stopped for three weeks and then they moved out. Whoa. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> did we ruin their lives? I wow. still feel guilty about this. No. For, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. I, I assure you, it had nothing to do with you. Uh, <laughs> and secondly, did you? I was gonna suggest if it if that plot twist hadn't happened, you should have tried a new tact and been like gone and knocked on his door, assuming COVID wasn't gonna be a problem mm-hmm. for this, and been like, "So I was, you know, I, I was upstairs gaming myself, <laughs> and <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, I got these like really nice headphones and like." current consoles you can plug a headphone right into the controller yeah have, yep. have you heard these 3d sound profiles you can get with really nice surround sound headphones oh, i should have asked you, you and gotta, not my cookie friend you gotta check these out 
and then you know make him think you're doing him a favor but like right be like right. you know you know what your problem is why your 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 you know uh kill to death ratio is totally yeah, well, you're such a scrub is because you're yeah. not using headphones bro you're supposed yeah. to use headphones you're missing you need that 3d sound bro yeah. what are you speaking up on you because your sound is only in two d's yeah you can't hear like see i'm upstairs i can hear the guy sneaking up behind me right <laughs> totally, no sound totally. but you're not getting the footsteps crunching right over your shoulder this so that's so why I would suggest out these Sony Bravias I bought you. I'm saying right. buy him $150 Bluetooth headphones. I was just going to ask how expensive this purchase is because it sounds like more than cookies. But um, it does sound like it would be more effective because even like the cookies, he did not. they did not seem to understand why they were cookies. They did not seem to no. appreciate the cookies. And so I, I went back to my friend who suggested that and he was like, oh, shit, you actually did it. I've never heard of anyone doing it. Yeah, I, I, I think it. I think it probably just made them suspicious or, or feel like this is some sort of dickier yeah. move than it rubbed, is, or whatever. He, he rubbed his dick all over these cookies. That's what I would think. <laughs> well, I mean, what we said, we we're like awkward, and but what we said was like, look, we feel so bad having to ask you this, and so we thought we would get you something to make up for it. Like we were clear about what would happen. Like we feel guilty asking. I know this is a bummer, and I know mm-hmm. we're like impinging on your fun. Well, I mean, they also had a baby and that was like crying all the time. Did not bother me. I get it. Do what you got to do. Babies are right. like babies, like a thing that's happening. And I'm sure you're more bummed about it crying at night than we are. The issue of like, this is like a fun thing. And even if it was just like a couple hours, it would be so different. But it was so long. Yeah, but I, we drove them from their homes, guys. No, we got here you, later and drove them out of the building. You, nah. again, you didn't do that. And you're honestly, the biggest problem you had is coming over all like soft and you know uh kind of like a real cuck you know coming <laughs> in and be like I- i'm sorry you want my cookies you shouldn't <laughs> you gotta come in and fucking alpha dog these motherfuckers oh, you man. know what i mean oh, uh, i don't know if that would have worked yeah i, I you know, like i might have died no you you have to come in more you know he's already in there he's in the place yeah, guns are blazing. His adrenaline's high. He's seen red. You have to come in. You have to match his intensity. You know. All right. So, uh, okay, I would like more feedback from people at home on whether or not. I, I guess the really the argument here was an "Am I the asshole?" And you guys seem like the answer is uh, so. Hunter, yours is a pure no, and Anthony's is oh, yes, but only because you were a beta about it. Yeah, I mean, I'd say only- like you were you weren't an asshole to him. You were an asshole to yourself. Well, yeah, you know, you need to stop worrying about treating your neighbors so good and worry about treating yourself that good. You know what yeah, I mean? Alan? Time, like, because because honestly, like there's really no defending that, to be honest, like if 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 the subwoofer is bothering you in your house at like every moment of every day, you are so within your right to be like, hey, please, let's like you know, not do this constantly. It's such a reasonable thing to ask. We had, uh, he, since they've moved out, the new neighbor is incredibly quiet. But then at, shortly after that, our neighbor on the other side had, he got dumped, which we know because um, he ran out onto the porch and we heard him yell, I said, I love you, say it back to me. And then she never came around again. <laughs> we figured it out. And then, but then the next, like a couple days later, he started playing ukulele. 
That's like how he dealt with the breakup and which we were fine with. It was bad, but it was like, man, yeah, channel it into your art. You deserve better. And then she came back and he never played ukulele again. That's great. It was just a happy ending for everybody. (laughs) All right. I'm going to end that there. Oh, wait, I didn't have my outro ready. I'm going to cut this. I'm going to make a note to cut this part while the outro gets ready. Yeah, nicely ask yourself to cut it and maybe bring yourself some cookies. Yeah, yeah, yourself to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's end the show. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back again next week with more of season four. Please, at home, give me more feedback and advice on the uh, whether or not I was the asshole on the argument. And if you're a Meat Buddy, you can suggest future arguments by uh, going to our Metreon. If you are not a Meat Buddy, you can become one. Metreon.com to join our Patreon and continue supporting us until you remember to cancel. We really, really appreciate everybody who's kept the show floating down the tracks into its fourth season. Um, thank you so much for being here, Hunter. Yeah, hey, thank you. Always good to talk to you. And Anthony, what a pleasure. This was fun. You guys are the best. Uh, we will talk to everybody next week with more Season 4 of Read It and Weep. Yep, yep. <laughs>